Welcome to the podcast of St. Basil the Great Catholic Church in Brecksville, Ohio, with homilies, talks, and interviews relevant to your Catholic faith. God bless you, and enjoy. Yeah, we're recording. We have 10 hours to talk. Great. Well, I'm not sure that's enough. See you. <laughs> we'll see you. See you. Hopefully someone order food for us at yeah. some point. <laughs> Hello, St. Basil the Great. This is Father Ryan Mann, your pastor, and normally it's Tommy Dome. But this time it's me, and uh, with great joy, I'm excited to introduce to you Lisa Lopez. Hello, Lisa. Hello. Hola. Oh, hola. Very nice. For, right off the gate, tell us about why why they're Spanish. Tell us why you said some Spanish there. Yeah. I grew up in McAllen, Texas. Now, and... if I've never been to the great state of Texas, I have been twice. I've been to Austin and Houston, and that's it. But what? where's McAllen, you said? McAllen, Texas. South Texas. Now, when I tell people South Texas, they say San Antonio? No. South. Corpus? Nope. A little bit further south. It is Southern Texas, border Mexico and Texas. Now, actually, if I have this right, explain if you went out the front door of the house you grew up in, what would you be seeing? I would see my next door neighbor's house as well. Now, I'm not on the border. My house wasn't oh, on the border. Okay. <laughs> I thought in my mind, you were on the border. Like your backyard was like freedom for them. Like they got to your backyard there, but you're not, you weren't that close. No, my childhood videos though, groves everywhere. So it's a lot of citrus being gotcha. grown, but now it is completely developed 34 oh, wow. years later. Oh, wow. All right. So, no more empty land. Well, the whole reason we're talking to you and about you and all this land in Texas is you now are a part of the St. Basil family. Lisa Lopez has uh, taken on the role here of being the first ever digital evangelization and marketing gal at this point. And uh, it's first off a position that was made possible by some generous donations. Uh, people wanted us to make sure we continue to reach out to uh, particularly younger generations, but anyone in the digital sphere so that People would know about us and see us, and we would be able to draw them in eventually to having a Eucharistic encounter with the Lord and start following Jesus. So uh, you started here about three weeks ago at the time of this recording, correct? That is correct. Mm -hmm. And um, I just want to help everyone get to know you a little bit and uh, maybe experience some of the joy that all of us in the office have already. So uh, you told us you grew up in Texas. Uh, tell us a little more. When did you move out of Texas? And um like what made you leave Texas? Because what I understand, it's like Texas is Texas. Like it's a, it's the great nation, right, of Texas. And if you're in Texas, most people aren't leaving. The great American states of Texas. That's right. Yeah. So uh, how long did you live there and where did you end up moving to and why? Yeah, I went to school at Texas A&M and I graduated and I thought I was going to work for the government as a translator. I wanted to learn Mandarin and work in that area. So that's the plan that I had. And then I attended a conference at Texas A&M, and that's where I met my husband, Anthony. We oh, were wow. in the same group. Was he in college as well? He was. Now, Texas, real quick, Texas A&M, you guys are called? The Aggies. The Aggies. What, what was that noise? It's our Texas A&M. <laughs> whoop. Oh, there you go. Yep. <laughs> whoop. Okay, so you, you met there. Was it? They have a very large, some people know this, Texas A&M has arguably the most effective and large Camp, Catholic campus ministry there. Were you plugged into that? Were you involved? I was not. Okay. Oop, awkward for you publicly. <laughs> Sorry about that. <laughs> That's a different story. Okay. I unfortunately was not practicing my faith in college. So you met your husband not practicing the faith? Correct. Okay. Keep going then. I'm sorry. No, you're good. Yeah. Jumping ahead, but we're good. Yeah. No. <laughs> Foreshadowing. 
So we were in the same group and I was at that conference realizing this is over my head. How, how am I ex- supposed to be a government employee if I don't really understand the state of the affairs that we're in and, you know, getting into my head. So I'm panicking at my table and I hear this guy say, in the philosophical tradition, we call this begging the question. And at the time, I was 19 years old. I thought that was the smartest thing I'd ever heard in my life. Quite the pickup line. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Most people say, I find you pretty, but no, yes. not for you. It was uh, begging the question. Really Correct. Got, really got your heart rattling there. Well done. So I looked over at the table and there he is, Anthony, and I'm just taken aback. Now I joke and I say, if I'd heard that today, I'd just roll my eyes and be like, all right, I got it. But that's how it all started. That's how the connection between Anthony and I began. We started dating, got married, and that's how and why I left Texas, because he is in the Army. Okay, Army, that was the question. The next question, what branch of military? And from what I understand, like, you, you, he's been in it for a while. How many years has he been in now? He commissioned in 2010. Okay, so 14 years. Wow, all right. And thank God he is, uh, because otherwise you wouldn't have been brought to us. Exactly. Right? There is no military base in Cleveland. Just to be clear. <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah. So what's he doing here and why are, why are you guys in Cleveland then? Yeah, the Army sent him here to get his graduate degree in military ethics. Case, come to find out, is the only program, I think in America, that has this program. Military ethics. Military ethics. And that's like just war theory and things, correct? Correct. So Aquinas is the person he is inspired by the most at the moment. And But if he wasn't Catholic, but he's excited about Aquinas, you have to connect the dots for us now. So you have to go backwards now. Yep. And you guys are, you weren't practicing faith, but now you work at a Catholic church. Mm -hmm. He wasn't even Catholic, correct? Correct. So he wasn't even Catholic, and now he's studying Aquinas. All right. So (laughs) back up again and tell us. How did you guys start practicing your faith? You get married, you're both still not practicing, right? Correct. And so what happened? I was born and raised Catholic, and I know for a fact my parents did their absolute best. But I get to this age where I think that I rule the world and I know everything, and what does it really mean to be Catholic? I was not interested in knowing what that meant. And I'm studying anthropology. I'm working at the Department of Anthropology. And one of my professors gave me a book for Christmas by Christopher Hitchens, God is Not Great. I was like, felt powerful at that time. Yeah. Yes. The famous college atheist books. Nice. Yes. Yeah. (laughs) I'm going to go home. I'm going to read this. I'm going to change my life. Go home for Christmas, and my mom threw away that book. I never <laughs> once opened it. And now my parents are not that strict. They're, yeah. you know, pretty open. But that's the only time she's ever tossed a book. Thank you, Mom. I'm sure you're listening at this point. <laughs> so that's kind of a little bit of background of my faith and when I was in college. We got married in the Catholic Church. That was what my parents had asked for. Mm-hmm. Fine, something inside of me. We should just do what my parents say. Let's just get married in the church. I do remember wanting to get married under a tent because at the time that was the trend and, you know, what everybody was doing. So I'm very thankful that we got married in the church. In this this moment, when you guys are there, this is where, so you're kind of, if it's a cartoon character, there's hearts in the air up until this point. It's like, man, our love will conquer all. Everything's going great. We end up moving to California. And this is when it really kicks off. So 2016 is when my faith and Anthony's flourish. Mm -hmm. I remember we were having a really big growth spurt in our marriage. 
And at this point, we hadn't really been going to mass. It was just maybe once or twice a year. And he's not even Catholic He's at all. not Catholic. The agreement that we had going into our marriage was, you'll go to Bible study with me at Protestants Church, and I'll go to mass with you. Sure. Fine. That works. We don't really do Better anything. than nothing. Right. Yeah. Like some breadcrumbs there. Right. right getting you in the right direction. But uh, yeah, lacking some things too, mm-hmm, obviously, mm-hmm. as you could feel as you started realizing. Yeah. Yeah. This point in time, I feel completely down and I don't know where else to go. So I go to church. And at this point, it was just me who went to mass. Anthony was out in the field training. And the priest says the announcements after mass and he says, RCIA is about to begin for anybody who wants to know what it's like to be Catholic or if you are Catholic and you don't really know what it means to be Catholic, come check us out. I was 26 at that point, and I realized, yeah, I have no idea what it means to be Catholic. I don't know what I believe. So I showed up to RCIA after Mass. I get all my little paperwork, and I'm really excited, and things seem to be going great. I go home. I have my paperwork, and Anthony comes back from the field, and he's going over all my stuff. Now, I love drama. I love theatrics it's, by the way uh, you guys this, this is audio you can't tell but uh, lisa's outfits are second to none she has a huge wardrobe i like to call it it's like every day is like a costume party uh, her uh head to toe earrings jewelry outfits shoes uh she's very artistic her whole being speaks uh i like things to be matching and fun and it's just a great job it's just so you know if you see her on campus like who's that girl with those big earrings it's lisa okay Thank go you. ahead lisa. yeah <laughs> So Anthony comes home, I'm about to go into a scene, if you will, and he looks at all of the RCIA paperwork that i just gotten, and he's like, I'm going to go with you to RCIA, and I'm going to debate the priest. I know things. <laughs> okay, go ahead. Come it with begs me. the question. Right. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no, poor Anthony's not here, and he'd be rolling his eyes, be like, Lisa, that's not actually how it goes, but again, I like that it went that way in your mind, though. Yeah. Drama sake. Drama. Yeah. So art imitates life. You're fine. Thank yeah. you. So he goes down to RCA with me the following weekend. He gets his paperwork and he's pondering. Now, Anthony, again, with his philosophy background, he's thinking deeply and logically about if then. Yeah. 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 <laughs> Which, by the way, in our tradition, that's a great thing. We love philosophy. We love reason. Uh, but sometimes it can be used to hide some things uh, rather than feel some things too. So we uh, we need them both. Right. Head and heart, as they say. Exactly. So Anthony gets his paperwork. He's asking questions at RCIA, and he's not really responding. He's just taking a moment to soak it all in. Class ends. We go to Starbucks. He's reading his paperwork. And that's when he says, this is it. This is the truth. What? One RCIA class. Gosh, everyone right now wants to know what the exact thing the priest said so that we can all say that to people in our lives and then everyone would convert because we all think that's how quickly it could happen. Yeah, that was it. That was it. So let's go to the Starbucks again. It's, you know, church number two for most people in the world. Okay. So you're at Starbucks. All right. What did you order? I'm just kidding. So you're at Starbucks and your husband, who's not Catholic, you're starting to think, I get got to get back into my roots. This seemed like, okay. And all of a sudden he looks at you and goes, this is it. This is the truth. What happens in you when you hear him say that? Resentment. Whoa. Okay. I was, <laughs> okay. I was, I was setting this up for like a really beautiful moment. Oh, right. Then, so no, I'm glad you're honest though. Okay. So, okay. So as a wife, your heart goes, mm-hmm. go on. Well, okay. So he becomes fully embedded. And you knew that was going to happen. 
Yeah, I, I, I maybe. Yeah. He, I mean, every podcast that he's listening to, Catholic Answers, I mean, just all of the Catholic material, he's diving into it. I'm sitting in the back seat. My gosh, why does he get it and I don't? Oh, yeah. Like, I was born and raised Catholic. He just gets it, and I'm still struggling here. In 2018, so we're fast forward two years later. Now, hold on. He becomes Catholic? He becomes Catholic. He confirms into the church. Wow, okay. Mm-hmm. And now you guys are going to Mass on Sundays. You're praying. You're uh, reading things, listening to podcasts. I mean, as I look at you now, you have a Lady Guadalupe ring on. Like, you guys are really immersing yourselves in the Catholic stuff. I'm sitting in the passenger seat. Oh, so he's really going all he's deep. He's really you're like, going You're like, oh, it. good for my new Catholic yes. husband. Yeah. But it's there, and yeah. I'm so proud of him. And good 2018, life. I think, is when really life for me took off in a way that blindsided me. I had gone on a photo assignment in California and I absolutely loved it. Hmm. And it was a really great experience. The people that I met, the photos that I took, and it was just very powerful. Hmm. So coming home from that trip, it dawned on me, gosh, I I'm not supposed to be married. I'm supposed to be a photojournalist out in the world doing all of these amazing things. But I have to live my life according to the military and Anthony and mm. that resentment for the past two years, watching Anthony flourish in his faith has really in me. And I did not realize that. Mm. So that's when I start to go on this journey about love and what does it all mean? I learn about Caritas, Cupiditas, all of these. And for someone who does, thinks you just had the gift of tongues and doesn't know what you just said, uh, could you explain what those two words are yes. real quick? Cupiditas is <clears throat> the type of love where it's me, 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 me. I love the way that you make me feel. It's selfish. Mm-hmm. Caritas is the golden love. What we should all strive for is love for the good of another. Oh. So just so everyone knows, just sometimes we hear it in Greek too, is eros and agape. Eros is kind of this seeking, striving, uh, desirous kind of love. And it tends to be called immature, but there's actually something very beautiful about it because it's what seizes you. It's what happens when you first fall in love with someone. Like in every TV show, the current corners get blurry. The music kicks in. Everyone's in slow motion. There she is. And I want to be around her because she's beautiful. And that's, the, that's that eros or the cupiditas. And then agape in Greek is a lot more to caritas, which is this self, is this bestowing generous love where it's not what I'm getting out of it. It's where I want to bless you. I want to bestow upon you. I want to help you flourish. And they're actually meant to work together in kind of a the agape is meant to infuse eros. And as eros grows, what you actually do long and desire for is to bless the other person. That's the highest form of the two coming together. And Pope Benedict says they're both in God. Uh, so, but you start learning about all these things. So there's a little commercial. Yeah, uh, no, it's So you great. start learning about these things. And first off, can we just say uh, your honesty and vulnerability is going to bless tons of people who are hearing this. And if you've ever been in that spot in your marriage, the most important thing to do is not hide it. Open it up to the Lord, open it up to someone who can love you and help you just work through it because you're about to hear what happens when you go deep on these things, what happens on the other side. Go ahead, Lisa, what happens Yeah, next? and there was that point in time before even learning about all of Cupiditas and Caritas was, it's unfortunate to say we were in the drive-thru of Cane's picking up dinner. Fried chicken. 
fried chicken. Nice. Texas chicken tenders. Yeah. Chicken. Oh, but you were in California at this time. This yeah. is Omaha now. Sorry. Omaha. We're, we're all over the oh, map. That's, we're, we're all tracking with you. Okay. okay. Omaha. And we drive home with our meal in complete silence. And I'm sitting there at the table and he's also there at the table. And I just tell him, I don't love you. That's a very hard moment to think about. Worked through it. But yeah, that's when I learned what he had to say was Lisa loves for the good of another. And that's what drew me into learning more about what love really is. And yeah. Um, wow. So that's Kane's. So, <laughs> well done. Yeah, sponsored by Kane's Kane's Chicken, where every honest meal happens. Um, but so let me get this right. Like you, so as you share this so vulnerably today for us, it's really beautiful because what's really, although it's kind of maybe doesn't feel heroic to you, you were so honest. Maybe some people wouldn't be vulnerable enough to share that because sounds like you didn't share it to hurt him. You share it to be like I got to get this out and. And when you did that, the Lord was able to work through your husband to invite you down a journey to say, well, you could stay here and it's all over, or you could keep going and see what's, what might be on the other side or what might be further down on this trail. Yeah. And, uh, and I mean, we did. And yeah, you were given the grace and you went for it. So thanks for saying yes, because I don't know that we'd have you here yet. Uh, so, uh, okay, you say yes. Uh, this is 2018-ish. 2018, 2018. All right. Yes. You start studying these things. And- what do you start noticing then as you start practicing these things? Okay, love is for the good of the other. I got to get out of myself. It's an experience of what can I, how do I serve him? How do I bless him? How do, what does that start doing for you in your marriage? It really brings us a lot closer together. That's one thing that I definitely notice. I see him in a way as also trying to figure things out. And so it kind of softened my heart, but also I, it helped me realize like I was just making up a lot of stories in my head mm. and eventually this you know resentment that I was growing in myself and not expressing to him or just say hey, really quick, I don't know why I'm a little left behind. I, so it just helped bring us a lot closer. Studying different examples of marriages and love. Yeah, so I would just remember we didn't take anything seriously. And I think now because of the experiences that I've had from 2018 up till, you know, the point where we are today, I take everything a lot more seriously. It has helped me slow down, reflect, and what does this all mean coming from the Lord? How am I supposed to take this in stride and then continue on? So oh, I think that has definitely been an outcome of our life so far. Sure. Well, you know, uh, it's you know, one of the things you shared there that I thought was really beautiful is as you begin to try to focus on how do I will the good of the other, which I don't normally like that phrase, but I know it, I know it's a good phrase, right? Like it's like, how do I bless someone else? How do I shift my attention off of how does this affecting me to what might they be going through or how can I support them or how do I bless them? It was interesting that you said is as you begin to do that, you begin to notice that he was trying to do it also. Some of that might've already been there and you not see it because you're wrapped up in your own stories and your resentments. You're right. So that's a beautiful thing is as we try to love people well, we actually open ourselves to see how we're being loved and we were missing it. And so it's like if you have one eye closed and you're just like, well, this room seems small and rather dark. And you're like, well, it's because you have one eye closed. <laughs> open the other eye. And you're like, oh, there's a whole other side to this room and there's, the, there's a lamp in that corner. I didn't even notice it. And so uh, 
A lot of times that happens because when we're hurt and we're frustrated, the very nature of that is to shrink our interior. So our interior life gets shrunken and shrunken, all that we keep brooding on. And we brood and brood and brood. You know, and as you don't need to be a married couple to do this, I, I can do that anytime I want as a priest. And I don't even have a wife to have Cain's chicken with, you know? And so uh, these, these, these can happen to any of us. Um, but it's it's so real and honest. Now, I want to put a little caveat out there because I think you know I do marriage ministry quite a bit, and I, I help out with Retrovi, which is a wonderful marriage ministry for couples who are really struggling. A lot of them uh, don't have the cane chicken moment, and then they come to us on the weekend, and we don't even serve chicken. So, gosh, but it works. It works. And so they come to us, and, uh, and it's important to make the caveat. What helped uh, Lisa was that Anthony was loving and respectful. He wasn't abusive. So had he been abusive and the worst, thing, she should get out of that. She should step away from abusive things. This wasn't abusive. And so if you're in a relationship out there and you're like, I don't know, maybe I just got to keep trying and trying. Maybe you do. Maybe you got to get to confession, get to the sacraments, dig deep, study, reflect. What is love? What is marriage? What is God's plan? Really go deep like Lisa did. But if you're in a relationship where it's actually abusive, you need to get out of that uh, to protect yourself because it takes two people participating in growing in willing the good for the other for marriage to work. If one person just can't due to psychological or other addictive issues, you need to, might, might need to take a step back to figure out what needs to be done in that marriage uh, in order to really honor God who loves every one of us by name. So that little commercial's over, but okay. Okay, so you guys go on this long journey. It's, it, you know, I just saw you guys the other day. You guys look very kind and loving towards each other. It's very sweet. But somewhere in all of this, I think you get back to Texas. Or we do, yes, El Paso. El Paso, because the there's like a some sort of surgery that actually connects you to St. Basil's and me at some point. It is. Which is, uh, be, I'm going to be selfish. It's probably the most important part of your story in my mind because it involves me. Correct. All right, yeah. But uh, uh, it is actually, in all seriousness, like it's one of those how things I that's like how you ended up at St. Basil's. And if you've been zoning out because you're driving your car right now, pay attention. This is, a, this is a really, shows you how the Lord is at work. So could you tell us the setting and then how you got connected from El Paso, Texas to Cleveland, Ohio, to Brexville, Ohio, to St. Basil's and Father Ryan Mann in the yeah, parish? Go it on. all starts with my left kidney. <laughs> like all good stories. <laughs> right. <laughs> um, my dad needed a kidney transplant. So I felt that I could give up a kidney because we only need one. And it's a really great way to lose an ounce or two. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, those ounces, every morning I'm always like, I need a few ounces off. Yeah. <laughs> um, all right. So it is kidney day. That's its whole story getting us to this point on July 19th. We're in Houston, Texas at Methodist Hospital. Day of the kidney transplant takes place. Everything is smooth and great. I have photos of my kidney if anybody wants to see what it looks like. Nobody wants to see that. All right. Like, thank you. <laughs> Thanks for the offer. <laughs> so um, it is the f- next day and I'm laid up in bed in so much pain. I have a, most of it is gas that gets trapped in your shoulders, which is a really weird place. Wow. First of all, and very descriptive for a podcast, but thank you. Yeah, but in your shoulders. In my shoulders. No, that's where I always think, where I, gas, where I get gassy, I'm like, it's my shoulders. That's what I always think. So thanks. Yeah. <laughs> she, she needs a minute, folks. I'm sorry about that. <laughs> um, so you're in pain. Right. Well, let's focus on that because that's in, compassion. Okay. I am in a tremendous amount of pain and it is not tolerable at all. So I just begin to pray and say, Lord, 
please, I, I give you all of this pain. I just give you all of this, please, Lord. And I'm closing my eyes very tightly, and I just see an image of the crucifix, and it dawns on me, you know, Christ is on the cross for us, ex- experiencing much more pain than I'm probably feeling in this hospital. And all of a sudden, the pain eases. And it's a very weird moment that I had. Beautiful, not weird, but, you know, it's a moment that I had that it sticks out to me. I'm like, wow. So the next day, the priest comes in and I tell him about my experience. And he's like, you should look into redemptive suffering. Okay. Don't know what that is. We're leaving the hospital tomorrow. We're going to make our drive back from Houston to El Paso. I'll check out Spotify. So I get on my phone and I type in redemptive suffering. And there you are, St. Basil the Great. It was a healing retreat that I believe you gave for Theology of the Bodies healing retreat. Yes. And redemptive suffering is the talk that you give. To to be clear so people know, it was Dr. Bob Schutz, Be Healed. It was a weekend retreat that Jen Ricard through TOBCLE put on. She asked me when she was offering these retreats in the summertime, she asked me to give the talk almost every year on the redemptive suffering piece. Mm -hmm. This was one of those talks. Yeah. And it really did speak to me. I was in the passenger seat crying this time. Tables have turned. I'm the one now listening to Catholic podcast, having to have him do it with me. That's right, buddy. Get in the passenger seat, (laughs) even though you're driving. (laughs) And it it, it just spoke to me because of the experiences that I had from 2016 up until that point of the hurt and everything and life all in one piece. And it just gave me calmness. And from that moment, I was hooked on St. Basil the Great and listening to all the different things. I mean, it was it was meant to be in my mind. And um, at this point, we had no idea that we were moving to Cleveland. And the military sends Anthony an order. Okay, you're going to go to Cleveland next. Cleveland, what's in Cleveland? So, I, I mean, that's just, it, it really is amazing. So she's in Houston listens to this podcast on the way home to Texas, a different part of Texas. That's her first connection with Father Ryan Mann. That's me, by the way. Listens to my uh, talk I give. It's meaningful to her. She starts binging on St. Basil's podcast things. They get assigned to Cleveland uh, for his military studies at Case. Right? And then I remember you guys showed up on a uh, Sunday morning mass, and I remember talking to you guys afterwards. At this point, we hadn't even published the digital evangelization and marketing position here at St. Basil's. A couple of weeks later, we post it, and I remember you reached out and sent the – and I'm like, oh, my gosh, this is unbelievable. And then we see your resume, and, I mean, it is, like, super qualified for the job, obviously, and so skilled. And it was such an amazing thing that God's – like, those are times where you're just like, well, how else do you explain this? Like, this is this is really like – some people call it a divine appointment. Some people just – traditionally, we just call it providence. Uh, but it's nonetheless, it's like the Lord at work. Uh, bringing us together. And it's been, uh, well, for the first three weeks, you've been really good. <laughs> you've been doing great. And then through this, you get healthy or you healed up fine, it seems like. And, oh, yeah. We're and great. Awesome. And spiritually, I feel even more amazing. That's awesome. That's so, so good. Okay. So now you and Anthony, where do you guys live in Cleveland area? We're in Shaker. Shaker. Yes. Wonderful. And how many dogs do you have? Three dogs. All right. And um, 
Like if I wanted to see a room where your clothes were, is it a closet or is it a room? It's an attic. It's an attic. Oh, and there's a, is there a chair in the attic where you could sit? There sure is a chair yeah. where you can sit and admire all the colors, patterns, shoes. Yeah. It's at least showed us all a picture and it's, it's really awesome. It looks like back. I used to do acting. It looked like backstage in the wardrobe rooms. Uh, it was really, it's a really great thing. So I want to talk to you about a few things now, now that we know your story and where you've been, I just want to talk to you a little bit about, um, like if, like you've sounds like you're, you're a woman of prayer and you've spent some times like actually really experiencing the Lord in different ways. And, you know, if someone didn't know him at all and they said, Hey, what's Jesus like? How would you describe him? Extremely caring, Hmm. tender, merciful. Just for me, he sat with me, never made me feel like I was alone. And that's perfect. That's awesome. You know, Pope St. John Paul II in Theology of the Body says, when every person is created, God enters into a, a, a unique, exclusive, unrepeatable relationship with them. So if you think about this, divine love is translated perfectly for everyone's heart. So he knew that your heart needed companionship. It would get to the morals. It would get to the truth. It would. Get, but what you needed first was someone to say, I'm not going anywhere. And he let you see that part of his heart. And so when we get to know people, when you really can hear how they talk to God and how God works in life, we get to know something about God that no one else could make known to us as clearly. We see this most fully on the saints. Every saint is similar. They love Jesus and Mary and sacraments. Absolutely. But every saint is unique as well because every one of them has a unique aspect of the heart of God that they make present. And so that caring present one, that's a really powerful thing. And, you know, who knows right now, maybe someone's going to hear this and it's like they just needed to be invited or even challenged to say he really is going to be kind. And uh, maybe we just need to be give him the gift of a little time right. and he'll show up. Right. Something just popped into my mind really quick. The story of the woman who committed adultery in the yeah, Bible. It's my favorite passage. Yeah. It's wonderful and beautiful. And in El Paso, our priest down there presented a different way. We're not exactly sure what Jesus writes yeah. in the sand. Right. Absolutely. But the priest had talked about, you know, what if he's writing, I love you? And that moment completely just changed the way that I... Hmm thought about that you know this woman who comes perhaps with a lot of shame and jesus just simply tells her i love you that's beautiful what if what if for you he wrote down the order from cain's chicken that's what it was yeah <laughs> the number two <laughs> yeah number two's exactly. combo. <laughs> and then you're like oh my gosh he was with me even then yeah. my lowest moments <laughs> yeah it's that's the beautiful thing is we don't know what he writes it's a weird detail St. Augustine says he was writing down the sins of all the people right. throwing the rocks mm-hmm. so that they could see it. Um, yeah, the, the beautiful thing is because there's a space there, the closer we get to the Lord, we can start believing our inspirations. And so I think it's beautiful to just just to be known that you're welcome. You know, there's a line in John 6 where it says, he received everyone who came to him. He always calls us to more, Right. So he's never just going to say, just stay the way you are. It's fine. Right. He doesn't ever say, you know, we say that in culture, we love you just the way you are. There's something true about that because we can only meet you as you are. And this point of your story, I can only meet Lisa on this day at this time. But if I'm going to love you, I have to be present to you now and communicate to you that you're a gift now. And that's what he does. Mm-hmm. And it's so wonderful. And um, I think we're always afraid that 
if he loves us right now as we are, we always have to be like, well, we got to get better though, right? And it's like, well, did you know if you really felt loved as you are, what would be born in you is not complacency, but conviction. Oh, if I'm loved as I am, how much more could I be now, now that I'm loved? And then hence the growth in your marriage with you and Anthony. It's really beautiful. Mm-hmm. All right. The Catholic Church has a million different aspects to it. What are some things that you just have grown to love about the Catholic faith? The drama. <laughs> <laughs> I absolutely love it. Yeah. That's why I think you and I get along so well. Yeah. yeah. I have a flair for anything, really. Yes. You name it. Yeah. I love the vestments. That's one part of it. But I also love just the incense and the drama of the mass. It's not drama. It's just beautiful. Sure. And the more, the better, of course, as I say, with all of my bling. We used and- to say smells and bells. Oh. Right? That's what the cat that used to be the phrase about the Catholic Church, all the smells and bells. Because mm-hmm. you used to ring the bells when you elevated the Eucharist. The incense were always there, beautiful vestments, everyone orderly in the sanctuary, chanting, standing, sitting, kneeling. I mean, it was it's a whole thing. I mean, if you're from the outside in, you're like, what is happening right now? Yeah. But yeah, it's really that's beautiful. That's awesome. I love it. Now, uh, what people uh might not know, but if you start going on our social media already, you can start seeing some of what I'll call the Lisa effect. All right. You start seeing some of the design, some things like this. And really, her, she's responsible just helping us get more and more things out there in the digital sphere that would be attractive, powerful, meaningful, so that people can, you know, it's so much easier in social media to just share something than it is if you hand postcards to someone's like, hey, could you pass us out to three people? It's like, boom, share. And now all your friends or all the people following you see it. And so it's an easy way to evangelize. So please go to St. Basil's, whatever, no matter what social media you're on, make sure you follow us. And then by following us, make sure once in a while you just keep hitting share because that means all your friends are going to see these things. And it's a way that you can hand on the gospel in a digital way. Uh, and it's really good. And she's going to do some videos coming up and things like that. You know, you're a part of the St. Basil's family now. So three weeks in, what's some things you've just been like, man, this is what I really notice about St. Basil's. What stands out to you? Extremely welcoming. Hmm. As a new person, it can always be a little intimidating. You know, like, oh, who's that new girl? But everybody has been so welcoming and so helpful and so joyful. And that has been a huge help. So I appreciate you guys as a parish. Thank you for welcoming me. Well, we're glad to have you. You know, some of the things that you guys wouldn't see is that, you know, around the parish office, she's very kind to every staff member. She's attentive. She talks to them. One of them just got back from surgery and needed a little help as she was getting ready to leave the other day. And Lisa took a few minutes out of her day and just helped her gather a few things. So she felt cared for. I mean, all those little touches, uh, that's not just being a nice person. That's really in many ways how the gospels lived is a million little things like that create a culture that says, we're going to be different than other places. We're going to care about each other. And you know me, I think a million miles a minute, I run in and out of this office like a crazy person. So to know that people are taking care of each other when I'm running my next thing is really important to me as the pastor as well. So talk to me before we wrap up this beautiful interview with you and your vulnerability and awesome journey. Talk to us a little bit about uh, just what you see the role of art and beauty to be. So, you know, you you dress beautifully and artistically. I mean, you're not just like, I'll just throw a hoodie on today. I mean, everything you wear is earrings and shirts and layers and boots and belts and rings and hair and all. I mean, it's the jackets. It's like, so you have a real sensitivity to art and beauty. What do you think it can do for people? What is it? What is the power of art and beauty? What effect can it have on people, the world, especially the church? Just kind of, you didn't know this question was coming. So good luck. (laughs) Yeah. Thanks. seems like for me, beauty gives me a sense of purpose. Mm -hmm. It gets me excited. I 
excited to wake up in the morning, find the earrings, the shoes, all the things that are going to keep me going. And when I'm creating art, especially for the church, I'm thinking about ways that are also going to excite somebody, right? So they might be used to seeing, oh, the same sort of art images, art images, and it just falls mute to the ears and eyes. But they're like, oh, wow, this new piece that we have or... So I want to instill a sense of excitement for somebody. And I, the, the excitement that I feel when I see something beautiful and fun and just weird, I want to instill that excitement and bring about That's awesome. somebody else. Well, it's always beautiful. And if you're listening to this, I recommend you go on some of our social media. Like, where did you put that custodian clip thing you did? That's on Facebook. All right, so if you can go on Facebook, she did a great ad about looking for a custodian here. And what she did is she took a picture of Brian, our head of maintenance, and his dog, Willow, and she put them in the larger part of the picture and just said, send your resume to Brian, but bring a treat for Willow. Like, it was playful, it was fun, but it also still had beauty and professionalism to it. And that just kind of makes someone stop. This is kind of neat. Right. And when I think about when I make that ad, what do I know about Brian? Well, Brian loves his dog. All right, let's incorporate that personal aspect of it and humanize a job posting in a way. And yeah, no, absolutely. And, you know, um, we did a photo shoot together uh, so we could have some new photos on things like that. And I mean, she was really good at saying she wanted me to talk. Like she got me speaking and talking so that I looked more natural in the photos so that it looks like what you all see at mass, you know, uh, things like that. So, and that's really why we have your role here is, is uh, one is we wanted to continue to build up our social media, our website, our podcast, our digital uh, visual arts, because we wanted to get into people's lives in a way that, like you said, makes them stop, makes them get excited, makes them feel like they're drawn into a mission or a purpose. And uh, not only, I think, will you be able to, I think in three weeks, you already have showed us some stuff. We're like, wow, this is going to be really amazing. And so uh, we certainly look forward to it. We're going to have some videos coming out soon. Uh, stay tuned because we're going to have in the next few weeks, Lent begins. We're hoping to have a good Lent video for all of you to help you enter into Lent. We'll do some Easter things. And um, um, so we're really excited to have her on staff and to have you be a part of the family here, Lisa, you and your husband, Anthony. A big thank you for you sharing today and all the vulnerability that you witnessed to us. Because of that vulnerability, people can really connect with your story and find such uh, inspiration from you. And from you, then they can say, well, if she found it in the Lord and studying and reflecting, maybe I can pray and study and reflect with whatever's going on in my life. And so that's a real gift you give to all of us uh, by saying yes. So thank you for that. And to all of you listening out there as your pastor, I want to say thanks for being a part of St. Basil the Great. You are the ones that make this parish great. When people join the parish, we ask them, why did you join St. Basil's? The number one reason given is not uh, the homilies. Uh, it is actually, there's a joy to this community here. So it's all of you after mass saying hi to someone. It's you stopping and asking someone how they're doing, introducing yourselves. You're what make this culture feel like something other than just another place. You make it feel like church and we continue to love being on the journey with you towards God. So until next time, may God bless you all. Bye-bye. We hope you enjoyed this audio from our parish. You can find other homilies, talks, and interviews at our website, basilthegreat.org, or by subscribing to this podcast in your favorite app. Just search for St. Basil Catholic Church, Brexville. St. Basil the Great, pray for us.